out of the pen, out of the mound for hour number two of Sports Talk. Greetings to you once again. You've got News Talk 1493.9 FM. We're going until 6 o'clock. Scott and Evan here now. Evan Kahn in. Coming up, Joe Potts, part of the radio team for the St. Louis Cardinals. they got a very meaningful game tonight uh, in both uh, a record standpoint. With Adam Rain, Wainwright, excuse me, and Yanni Molina set to set a record as a battery duo and also a big division game with the Milwaukee Brewers. So that is on tap for us. Joey Wright's going to step in. The Prep Football Confidential Show tonight airs only on our sister station, Light Rock 97.5. Illinois Volleyball coming up at 645 here. How you doing, sir? Good. Got to see the... Biggest upset in baseball history, according to the odds makers, last night in the Cubs over the Mets. And uh, how is any game an upset in baseball? Yeah, it's very tough. But just c- considering the optics, you got Jacob Degrom against a not very good Cubs team in New York. Yeah, you could you could probably lean towards the the Mets on that one. And what do you know? The Cubs come away. I should have looked it up, but the Cubs have had the Mets number for like almost a decade now. You know, good, bad, ugly, it doesn't matter. The Cubs just seem to beat the Mets no matter where they are. So, they'll get to do it uh, again here tonight and this is really the the low day of the week once you get into football season, right? It's about the only day that you don't have a game to either break down or get ready for or watch so we can we can turn our attention back to baseball for yeah, a second because there's uh what nfl plays tomorrow night mm-hmm. and and then action uh, and all high school that good football stuff. And, yeah oh yep well it is uh pretty significant the chicago white Sox have lost today already to the colorado mm-hmm. rockies three nothing it's going very well it's going over very well amongst the fan base i can tell already in these Every time it's critical to win, they just they just can't. They just can't. It, well, baseball doesn't work like that. I know. Right? You, you can't really will yourself to a win. It's one of those sports. Really, that's just kind of how sports in general are. If it, I know it sounds corny, but if you try too hard, things sometimes just don't go your way. Did you see Ken Rosenthal's open letter to, to Tony La Russa today? Yep, I got part of it right here. Ken Rosenthal, who for my money is... One of the best in mm-hmm. the business in terms of, especially as a dual writer slash broadcaster. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't know if Ken Rosenthal, he might be like Lauren Tate. If you ask him, he's a writer. But you know, <laughs> you know you're on TV all the time, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he wrote an open letter to Tony on a subscription site, so I don't know how open it is. but <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was unlocked. <laughs> Tony, it's more obvious. This is part of it. This is a respected national writer. Tony, it's more obvious every day. Miguel Cairo is doing a better job. Today, of course, not to be (laughs) evaluated yet. Yes, the team is finally getting healthier. The offense is finally hitting with power. The players are finally responding to the urgency of their situation. Three games out in the week, AL Central with 20 to play. Maybe that all would have happened if you were still the manager, but Cairo is bringing energy communicating with players, holding them accountable, and things maybe you thought you were doing but evidently weren't doing well enough. Uh, Skipping down a bit. Tony, I'll say it. You should announce that you no longer will manage the White Sox, that you will only want what is best for the team, and that what is best for the team is Cairo continuing in the position for the rest of the season with your complete support. 
there's it's it's much longer than that, but he didn't say here's my opinion. Tony should step down. He said, "Dear Tony, you need to step down." <laughs> <laughs> and and he, he eventually comes to the conclusion that Tony LaRusse is too too prideful of a guy. He's a Hall of Fame manager for for crying out loud. So so he he's probably going to go out on his own terms and, and to say that some guy 25 years his junior who just kind of got forced into the role is doing better than him. I don't think that's something that that he's ready to admit or Jerry Reinsdorf would ever admit, but it it's true. I mean, we've been saying it since what? The the third week when the first time he tried to walk a guy with a two strike count, like and he goes into it and there it's just weekly he's shown that it's just not really his game anymore and the way that the White Sox have responded I think he says including today I now now think they're like 10 and 5 with Miguel Cairo and they that's losing this one and losing the very first one so in between there they're they're 10 and 3 so they are winning he pointed it out everybody is healthy Aloy Jimenez is hitting the cover off the ball Jose Abreu's just kind of sprinkling in there when he needs to but we yeah we we agree as far as Tony's time's kind of gone and they probably should move on from him. But if it happens this year, I don't know. It doesn't sound like Tony's ready to give up. One of the things Rosenthal talks about that in there is do the dignified thing here and, and step down. But I'll defend Tony in this. How many coaches, managers, what have you do that do it that way? They don't. Here's the deal. You get to be the coach for this many, for this terms of the contract, and if we fire you ahead of time, we're going to pay you this amount to not be. It's an it's a contract. <laughs> it's the way it's set up. Tony is well within his rights to continue to be the manager so long as the White Sox want him to. I would almost argue the dignified thing what might be to let him go. <laughs> and so it's kind of it's the ball well, is not, way more in. I mean, there is, I, I get it, I get it. There's a high road here that Tony could do, hey, for the good of all involved, I'm going to step aside and I don't need the extra money, I'm not taking a buyout, or maybe they renegotiate something like that. But these are high-profile positions with, that, that for organizations that do whatever for economics and, and jobs and, and all the people that... Uh, and it's the sa- it's the same reason why a f- head football coach or a head basketball coach is worth have a lot of money on their contracts, and it's set so that if we fire you without cause, <laughs> we're gonna pay you a lot of money to go away. It's why Scott Frost got paid a lot of money to go away, because <laughs> that's how it works, and those are the terms that everybody agreed to. Scott Frost could have said, yeah, "It's not working, guys. <laughs> I'm just gonna step aside because this is my alma mater. And I love you, and somebody else needs to come in." But that's just not how the deal deal is set mm-hmm. up. He's well within his rights. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense. And I, and with the way that the health things are going, it wouldn't look good on the White Sox to say, hey, you're going through these health things. We want to let you go. And it could be an easy way out for Tony to say, you know, my, my health is declining here. It takes, it does. I, I don't even know if I've got the, the mental and physical energy to go and manage 182 games in an 184 days. I mean, it's a grind for, for everybody involved. So it would make sense if he wanted to step aside. But when you look at this team, he, he came back 
for for the sheer purpose of writing. Well, Jerry Reinsdorf brought him back to right the wrong from the '80s, but I'm sure Tony wanted to right the wrong as well as far as having success here and leading the White Sox back to a, a pennant or a, a World Series. And it wasn't headed that way with him. Maybe it's headed there again without him. But I I imagine he's not going to go away quietly. Probably not. And. It's unfortunate that it's come to this where, again, a very well-respected mm-hmm. writer and broadcaster who wears bow ties, for Pete's sake, <laughs> <laughs> is openly calling for you to step down for the good of all involved. Who could have seen this coming? Only a lot of people. <laughs> Only a lot of people. Uh, White Sox lose 3 nothing. Cubs and Mets tonight. Cardinals and Milwaukee. Uh, Michael Massey back in the lineup for Kansas City tonight. They take on the Twins, which would be of interest to the uh, White Sox fandom as well, given that that's a division game. And what is Cleveland doing tonight? I'm sure they're doing something. I think they had a day game. Uh, Yes, they beat L.A. today. That's right, because they were playing Mike Trout yesterday. So go figure that out. Um, Did you catch the cameo saga over in Iowa City? This is kind of gross. As I say, these coaches will do anything for a buck. All right. (laughs) For those of you who don't, Cameo is a service that is set up for anybody of celebrity status. Um, Can uh, drop a video, a message to somebody, do something for a fee, and it's a way for them to make money. Or in this case, Fran McCaffrey, the head basketball coach is on Cameo to raise money for coaches versus cancer. So you could say, if you're, if, hey, Fran, would you please wish my son a happy birthday? And, uh, you know, and I'll pay you whatever his fee is. It's, mm-hmm. it's like $50 or something. Like, And then he sends a message that says, hey, little so-and-so, this is Fran McCaffrey wishing you a happy birthday. I hope you're doing great. Go Hawkeyes. Go Hawks, right? <laughs> well, somebody asked him to wish Brian... Uh, good luck, and maybe it's time to move on from your job and move back to New England. And uh, it was a coded message to Brian Ferens, the offensive coordinator, son of Kirk Ferens. Fran McCaffrey had to issue a statement <laughs> apologizing, and they also got Mark Stoops to do the same message oh, on Cameo. What a disaster. A Don't... PR disaster. And if I'm either one of those coaches... I'm flaming mad that I got duped, and I would be surprised there's some sort of lawsuit in this whole thing. If these guys are doing these videos themselves, my hat goes off to them, but something tells me there was somebody there with them. And between the minds, they couldn't realize or, or kind of see what was going on with those things. I And, and since it was for a, a good cause, I guess, you know, it's okay. I, I guess, you know, for, again, we'll, we'll do anything as long as it supports cancer research. That's all fine and good. But where's the proofreaders? Where's the editors? Where's the person saying, is this a good idea? Critical thinking, you know, <laughs> some of these basic things that we learned. Somebody didn't raise the caution flag. <laughs> Oh, my. Uh, And this is all because of Iowa's uh, inability to score. And I'll tell you this, Iowa is favored by 23 points against Nevada this weekend. I don't get it. They haven't scored 23 points yet. 
Yeah, were you guys talking, or I was I was maybe listening to a podcast earlier where it's like, how is Iowa favorite? They haven't even scored that many combined multiplied times games. Yes, I get it. It's Nevada. <laughs> That's their opponent, but oh, go figure. All right, we had a good time last hour talking to Alex Palcheski. If you missed that, uh, you can catch it on our podcast. All right, coming up, Cardinal Baseball Chatter with Joe Pot after this. And that is at 6.45. It previously was a 5.45 start, but they had adjusted the match time, so it is a 6.45 start tonight. Prep Football Confidential coming up on Light Rock 97.5, though straight up at 6 o'clock on our sister station. Cardinal Baseball coming up tonight. Some history will be made with Adam Wainwright on the hill and Yadier Molina as the catcher. One of the pre- and post-game voices for the Cardinals is Joe Potty. joins us now from the St. Louis metro area, also the voice of SIUE. Joe, good to have you with us again. Thanks. I appreciate it, guys. Did you have a sense that this Cardinal season, obviously the the pursuit of a division crown and, and the playoffs and all that is uh, most important, but the amount of history that is going on in St. Louis baseball for a franchise that's had plenty of it already. I mean, were you ready for all that? I I don't think that – I mean, I think that we all knew that, that Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright were going to challenge this record for sure. I realistically didn't think that, you know, Albert Pujols would be pushing for 700 as we got to the last two and a half weeks of the season, but here we are um, and just – his milestones, and now we've got Paul Goldschmidt chasing an MVP and a possible triple crown. So, yeah, there, there's a lot, and it's it's been awesome. It really has. I, just your perspective on Albert Pujols, because baseball, we, we love our numbers. How meaningful is 700 compared to just the fact that he passed A-Rod and is in fourth place to you? Uh, yeah, I think it's um, I, I think it's meaningful because of exactly what you said. Baseball is a sport that we uh, we treasure our numbers and we like our round numbers. And it, you know, it used to be 500 home runs and a couple more guys got to the 600 club. But 700 is pretty darn exclusive. He's going to be the fourth player if he gets there to get to 700 home runs, and that is uh, pretty unreal when you think about it when you put it in perspective. Joe Pot with us here on Sports Talk. Hey, Joe, this is Evan. You mentioned Paul Goldschmidt chasing an MVP and a triple crown, and I think the last time we were talking was around June when Nolan Arenado wasn't hitting as well, and now over the last three months, I think his OPS is somewhere north of 1,100. Is his season being vastly overlooked just because of how great Paul Goldschmidt's been throughout? Yeah, I don't think there's any question, Evan. I think it's a great point that, um, you know, if, if you take – Goldschmidt out of the mix, then you're talking about Arenado probably chasing an MVP, and they still might be, you know, both in the top two or top three in in votes in the National League in the MVP race. So without a doubt, you're seeing two of the best players in the game right now playing on the corners for the Cardinals. And on the pitching side, uh, Jack Flaherty's made a couple starts since he's come back from rehab. Uh, figure they, they want to keep using him in that capacity for the rest of the regular season. If he stays healthy, where do you see him working in in October? Man, it would be hard for me at this point to say that he cracks the starting rotation 
for the postseason. I'm not, that's not to say he's going to have a couple of really strong starts and they maybe think about it a little bit more. But right now, you know, certainly when you think about that first series, that wild card series, I think that you would have to go with Adam Wainwright and Miles Michaelis and Jordan Montgomery. Um, and then from there, you know, maybe you have him maybe as a spot, but I think still as of right now, he would be edged out by Jose Quintana for that fourth spot. But I think either way, if he continues to progress, if he continues to get stronger, he has to figure in the mix somewhere. Uh, Jordan Montgomery had uh, troubles yesterday. Uh, where does he go from here? Is this just kind of one of those, well, it's, it's, it happens sometimes, or is there anything more to the Cardinal fans are, are concerned about here? No, I, I don't think there's anything more to it than just that. Um, he said after the game last night, you know, he knew uh, a couple of those innings, you know, what he was doing or where he was missing, and he settled into a groove in the third and the fourth. Um, so, you know, I, I think that maybe it's magnified a little bit just because it hasn't happened yet in a Cardinals uniform. I mean, my goodness, they're 7-1. and one. He starts a game for them this year. So I think that, that yeah, overall he's a, a smart enough guy, a, a veteran enough guy to kind of figure things out. And, and quite frankly, he's got a pretty good catcher and, and pitching coach and, and folks around him to help him do that as well. We knew the, the, the back end of the schedule was relatively soft. And, and you know, I use that loosely enough because this is in the context of, of baseball. But is there a concerning aspect to the Cardinals at all when you think about the postseason, which is, seems inevitable at this point? But there's not a concern for me at this point. And, and I, I – the reason I say that is, I, I, you know, they, they, they've done their grinding, and their grinding came in August, and it came after they acquired those two guys, those two left-handers, and they got themselves to the position that they're in, and that was coming into this week, eight games up in the National League Central Division. Um, you're facing a Brewers team last night and tonight that absolutely has to win. They're fighting now for a wild-card spot, and they're chasing teams to do that. So you're facing that grinding team on the other side of the diamond. And so, yeah, I'm not worried at this point about the Cardinals. Well, but I'm saying, you know, is there any aspect that you're concerned about as it pertains to postseason play? Uh, as far as, you know, where this team is, I mean, I, I don't I don't have any – you know, the one thing that might be of concern is that you see Still, I think still to this day, you have a little bit of inconsistency seeing what this offense can do um, when it's right, and it was right almost the entire month of August. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I again, I, I don't have many concerns right now. With that offense, uh, I thought I saw Dalton Carlson's working his way back. How important is it for he for him to be healthy by the time the playoffs get here? I, I think it would be a big deal. I like him defensively in center field. You know, they don't really have another guy. I mean, Tyler O'Neill's been taking the bulk of the innings since he's been out, but I think that Dylan Carlson is your center fielder. So defensively, you want that, um, and, and certainly you want him swinging a better bat than he was before he went out. So I think he'd, I think he'd make a big difference. 
And, and something that, that came up, I, I guess it's almost been a week ago now. Uh, last week, uh, MLB officially announced that they're implementing new rules for next year. Uh, where do you stand as far as banning the shift and some pitch clocks? I, I don't really have a problem with the pitch clock. I feel like it is sort of a, I don't know if you want to call it, it's a tweak on a rule that already exists because they're supposed to be, you know, it's kind of loosely defined. There's supposed to be a pace that both the pitcher and the batter are supposed to keep. The batter is supposed to stay in the box. So all of these, I think, are ways to kind of enforce that. Everything we've heard coming out of the minor leagues is that it is, in fact, improving the pace of the game and that while pitchers, might take a little bit of time to get used to it. They are getting used to it. They are understanding the rule and apply or abiding by those rules. I'm not as big in favor of banning the shift, to be honest, because I feel like if that is how a manager wants to defend and he feels that's the best way to defend, I don't I'm not necessarily in favor of taking that out of the manager's hands. Yeah, I'm kinda with you there, Joe. Um I I, I, I kind of see why it's there. Uh, Bobby Valentine and you know proposed an intriguing compromise where you could do it so many times, but there's just something unbaseball about putting some lines, real or imagined, on the field. And and you know baseball's always been you can have well seven guys be wherever they want to be out there in the field, <laughs> and two guys pretty well have to be in a certain place um and i thought that was fine <laughs> but i agree i'm like you you can go back and you can look that there are instances of teams shifting against stan musial and shifting against ted williams so while it may be more prominent now and more teams are doing it more often it's not as if this is something that is brand new i mean think about when you're in little league and when you're in little league oh left-handers up everybody move over mm-hmm. you know and so the guys would kind of you know, shift. We didn't call it a shift, maybe, but it's always kind of been there. And and I just like I go back to I, I think that you know is it always going to work? No, but if that's the way that the manager and the the team on the field chooses to defend, then I don't know why anybody should tell them they can't. The one that I'm really probably overly irked about is this pickoff limit rule. I I just don't understand how it plays out in a way where guys aren't stealing all the time. And I, I, quite honestly, I think that's part of the reason that they want it. They want to create the action in the game. But I agree with you. Again, if, you know, if, if that's what it takes for the pitcher to control that running game, then why are we telling them they can't? You know, it goes back to the, I'm not, I've never been a big fan of the three batter rule. It's, it's, it's just not, it's changing the strategy of the game. And, and that's the, that's the thing that I have a hard time uh, getting behind. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we all are here in agreement on <laughs> on uh, the things that upset us, but it's still a beautiful game all in all. <laughs> it's, but that I guess that's the, the larger point. You don't have to always mess with something that's that's good, um, but uh, clearly pace of play has become an issue. So I'm glad there's steps being made. It's just I don't know if this is the way to do it. And I think that. You know, quite frankly, it's probably the three of us aren't probably the audience that is, uh, you know, that they're looking looking at or, or hearing from when they're making some of these changes. We're, you know, like you said, we, we tend to like the game and enjoy the game and don't feel like there needs to be a lot of tweaks and changes done to the game. And maybe there's a bigger audience that, that does believe that. 
Uh, Joe, I, I got a, a maybe a, a little out of left field question here, but we were, we were just talking last segment how today's kind of a, a lull for us here in an open week for Illinois football and Wednesday in general. There's not a whole lot of football going on. What's the feelings towards football season down near St. Louis now that the the Rams are gone? I don't know how much do, does Missouri and, and, and other college sports leak in, into St. Louis. Do, do St. Louis people still like football after what the Rams did? We do like football, and I think that, uh, you know, Mizzou, I think, would definitely be the overwhelming uh, college uh, university that that folks support here, though there is a very nice contingent of Illini fans, both in St. Louis and, of course, in the Metro East, um, where I spent a lot of time anyway. Um, And there's a lot of excitement for the return of the XFL. Of course, there was a ton of excitement when the XFL was here. Obviously, St. Louis did very well in supporting that team. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely believe that, that St. Louis is a very good football town, contrary to what some would tell you. Like owners of certain football teams? <laughs> like owners of certain football teams, you're correct. <laughs> Sound like a spurned lover. All right, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we'll uh, we'll let you go, Joe. Uh, I- enjoy the ride here into some baseball history. Um, again, I think people are going to be talking for a long time about that they saw Albert Pujols play and 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 the way they talk about some some generations talk about how they when they saw Stan Musial and whatnot. It's just a special thing. So I'm glad you get a little bit of a front row seat to some of this. I'm with you, man. I think that um, you know we we are spoiled in this area. And I think that, you know, that goes for really all of us in in Missouri and Illinois, whether it's the the Cubs, the Sox, the Cardinals. I mean, there is so much quality baseball and historic baseball between those franchises. Um, And it it is fun. And it's fun for for guys like myself and and you two that enjoy the game. And I think we appreciate those uh, historic moments and and all the things that, that baseball brings us. All right, my friend. We'll talk again, okay? Scott Evan, thanks, man. I appreciate it from both of you. Likewise, thanks, likewise. That's Joe Pot, P-O-T-T, also the voice of S-I-U-E Athletics, and I can attest a good guy as well. All right. Um, maybe we don't like adjustments to too many adjustments to baseball, but if you do need to make an adjustment in your home, CU under construction is a great way to go, and... Right now, they're looking for more. They're looking for more folks that can help them because they keep growing. They keep winning these People's Choice Awards. Word has gotten out. So if you have some expertise, particularly in carpentry, and maybe are looking for a different place, check out CU Under Construction. They've got a lot of the probably the standard things that you would look for in any job uh, switch, like the 401K, like paid time off, health care benefits, but also... They want to make sure you're having a healthy work balance lifestyle with 40-hour work weeks. They want to make sure you have an opportunity to be all that you want to be with skill expansion and certifications. And with a company that's growing, there's room for advancement. Plus, they like to do fun things for their employees or different ways to reward them. You never know when they're going to just throw a party for their employees on their big property. So check out CU Under Construction. You can apply right there on their website. It's CU Under Construction. More sports talk coming up. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. (laughs) 
Sports Talk going to the top of the hour at 6 o'clock. Prep Football Confidential from Serve Pro and the U of I Army ROTC. Colin Likas and Joey Wright will be on the mics on our sister station, Light Rock 97.5. Good to see you, Joey, here in studio. Wait, wait. What, what, what did I do? We could put them on here, too, for a while, couldn't we? Oh, yeah, we could. Why not? <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> but we they can will, do that. But they will originate out of HMS. You're right. Ooh, magic of radio. Okay. Well, we already told, if any, okay, we already put it out there that it was only going to be on Light Rock 97.5, but if you stay here, now you got it. But at 645, yeah. then you get volleyball. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it sounds like Leroy Panthers fans should switch at 645 because they're coming up towards the end of, end of the show. But, yeah, we'll have a, a pretty full show, sounds like, on, on both stations now. Uh, Central, Schlarman, Arthur Lovington, Atwood Hammond, all going to stop by. Leroy as well towards the bottom. And uh, it's great. You know, Matt Daniels and I were talking, News Gazette sports editor, earlier today. We're already in week four of the IHSA football season. How crazy is that? I mean, where has the time gone? <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it's halfway for them. Yeah. Uh, so, by the way, you and I are going to be on the call Friday night over at Tommy Stewart Field for this right, not the right street rivalry, but the sh- champagne rivalry mm-hmm. between Central and Centennial. So we're looking the forward to doing battle that. for Tommy Stewart Field. <laughs> yes, it is the battle. For, there will be one battle for McKinley Field now, though. That came down the pipe. It's the battle last at night. McKinley Field. This is the battle for Tom. Yeah, no, well, battle for <laughs> Central's got to defend <laughs> it, right? Yeah, they've got. <laughs> oh man, so much talk about where these games are being played this season, more so than any other year. Mm-hmm. I mean, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bottom line is, we'll have some football at Tommy Stewart Field. Important distinction on Friday and. I, I was telling Matt, it's my favorite cliche, throw the records out the window, but it truly <laughs> is one of those games. Central Centennial, doesn't matter how each team is trending coming into it. We're going to teach two schools that love to hate each other, if you will. Another cliche, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, Centennial's 3-0, and looking really good. I know they'd like to start games a little stronger, but once they turn it on, I mean, that team can go. You know, 55 unanswered against Manuel after being down early, and Pretty sizable, comfortable win against Richwoods when you look at the score last week. And uh, that Centennial team, they mean business this year. Yeah, they they do. And uh, boy, Brandon Harvey is, is the straw that stirs a drink there in the backfield, mm-hmm. and they can throw it a little bit. Central, younger this year. I think they like what they can be as the season progresses. And when you talk about Central, of course, it's it's Ronald Brown, the third tremendous athlete has made a big impact on a variety of playing services for the Maroons. You know, when you look at what he's done with track, wrestling, football, he's a guy that can go. Central, I think, is a few years away. They're a little bit of a younger team, but they'll certainly be looking to uh, to prove themselves on Friday night. Uh, you know, Centennial's got experience. They've got a lot of talent. But, you know, don't count Central out. I like, uh, well, you know, we've talked with head coach Tim Turner a couple of times this week, and I know he's confident in his bunch, and they're looking to make a statement. So they've got the tools. They've just got to put it together. All right, so lineup tonight uh, includes Leroy, you said? Yeah. yeah is it Leroy? Is it Leroy? I, I always, always said Leroy. I, 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 I get psyched <laughs> out about it because it's been told to me more than enough times. Tomato, tomato. I know, Leroy, Leroy, DeLand, DeLand. All right, what, what do people from Clinton say? Clinton. No, I mean about Leroy. <laughs> Clinton. You draw, you kind of soften the T. Yeah. No, it, it's it's Leroy. Clinton. Leroy, okay. But I'm sure the locals might tell you it's Leroy. <laughs> I know we have switched our our style 
guide at the News Gazette lately, we're, we're including the space between the Lee yeah. and the Roy now. So, so it is Lee Roy. That's how they spell it in in Leroy, mm-hmm. Lee Roy. It yeah, is Lee on Roy. the yeah on the sign. When yeah. you, but when you in drive France, by. It's, in, but in France, it's Leroy. <laughs> right. right. I, I I do know a couple. I've got a couple Which friends. Leroy. <laughs> yeah, Leroy. I, I've got a couple friends in Leroy, and they have said it. It is Leroy. I've yeah. known people okay. that have said Leroy, but the the pronunciation is Lee. Roy. If you're trying to feel fancy, you can call it Leroy. Leroy. Yeah. Leroy. Kind of the uppity side, <laughs> side of town. Right. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Not the Cockney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're coming up towards the bottom of the uh, the next hour. And uh, Colin Likas uh, really does the heavy lifting and putting these together. I, I don't know who exactly we'll have from Loire or, or, or Arthur Lovington Atwood Hammond. Another mouthful there. <laughs> a couple of communities. Uh, but we will have uh, players from those programs uh, in the second half of the 6 o'clock hour and a couple of pre-recorded interviews. Football Maroons is their Twitter handle. Uh, I've got Collins' tweet pulled up. Central is going to lead off the show. And then Schlarman, an eight-man team, back in action after a, a couple of off-seasons. Uh, we'll hear from them at about 6.15. So I've taken you all around the area, all around the News Gazette area, a lot of different teams to hear from. All right. Very good, Joey. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll be talking to you again soon. Sounds good. Yeah, thanks for having me. So catch most of Prep Football Confidential here at 6 p.m. and catch all of it on Light Rock 97.5 all the way up till 7 o'clock so you get your uh, selection of sports. I don't know why we didn't think of this sooner. Yeah, it just kind of dawned on me. I was like, wait a second. Yeah, why not? I I blame me for just not thinking that one through. It's okay. Yep. Okay, so that's coming up. We'll have fun. We will finish this one in a moment. Sports Talk wrapping up, coming up with Surf Pro Prep Football Confidential. I sent an email. <laughs> we <laughs> well, talked about it here and everything. Be on DWS, so, you know, <laughs> you came running. <laughs> Colin just popped in, then remember he has to go to the other studio. That's fun. Concussions among NFL players mandated to wear guardian cap equipment dropped by more than 50% this summer compared to the previous three-year average, according to data that came out today. For the first time, various position groups to wear these guardian caps during practice between the start of training camp and the second uh, preseason game uh, saw, uh, rates, uh, saw rates go down. There you go. Uh, I think, are these the pillow helmets? Mm-hmm. Begs the question: Why isn't everyone just wearing them? Other than they look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I I've heard they're kind of heavy, as if the helmet isn't already heavy, and they make it even hotter again, as if the helmet wasn't already hot so prevent enough. Prevent the concussions by giving you <laughs> neck <laughs> problems, stroke and, chronic yeah. <laughs> neck problems, and heat, and heat stroke. So you know you got to give a little to get a little. Uh, you know w- whatever it is, you could you could try rugby if you wanted to, but yeah. that's good. You, we continue to to see it evolve and the those questions i there's still you know worries about football and concussions and all that but as we've discussed i think the targeting penalties as much as we gripe about them i think they're doing their jobs and, and the science is doing oh, its yeah. job so foot football for for what it's worth isn't isn't dying all right thanks so much to everyone a part of the show today alex palcheski in hour number one along with lord tate Joe Pott was with us here in this hour. Joey Wright stepped in. Evan Kahn. I'm Scott Beatty. Ed Bond on the other side. Stay tuned for some prep football confidential and then Illinois volleyball coming up at 645 against EIU right here on Newstalk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS. 
Champaign-Urbana, 6 o'clock tonight.